Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's what the world would say. That success is found in power, pleasure, position, possessions, material wealth. If you have all of those things and wrapped up, you're a very successful person. Well, there's nothing wrong with those things, but that is not at all the definition that God gives. Because it isn't about here. Remember, we're learning how to live here so we can live there forever. When we die, we're not taking a bunch of stuff from here to heaven. It's perfect. You don't want any of the stuff there. The rich and powerful like to congratulate themselves on their successes, don't they? They have awards shows and other times of recognizing their greatness. They gather and pat each other on the back for how awesome they are. Pastor Mark will be teaching that success in God's eyes is something quite different. He'll show through Paul's letter to the Thessalonians that this view of success is another way that God separates his thinking from the world's thinking. You'll find out that to have God's success will mean a very different life for you than what the world tells you about their brand of success. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he begins his message, Successful Ministry That Pleases God. First Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to do 12 verses. Let me just remind you that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was an evangelist, but he also was a pastor and, of course, a church planter. In this chapter, Paul uses himself as a personal illustration of the character of an evangelist or pastor teacher. Then Paul will show us how a successful minister should really care for the people that God has put him over. He'll be talking as well to the church at Thessalonica, and especially all those young believers as he started that church. Now, at our campuses, many people have the gift of a pastor teacher. We have more than 18 pastors that minister in all kinds of areas. But not all Christ followers, of course, are called to be pastor teachers. That's just a different gift that God has given us. But all believers are called to be ministers who serve other believers and even unbelievers. So here's the first thing I want you to write down. All Christ followers are called to be ministers who serve others. You say, well, Pastor Mark, where did you get that from? I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. No, of course not. That's a different gift. But remember, our role model is Jesus. When Jesus came, what did he say? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. That's our role model. Now, when Paul 
writes, he's the one that told us the thing you just wrote down today, that every one of you as a Christian, Christ follower, you're a minister. Here it is. And he personally, God gave some to be apostles, five-fold minister gift, prophets, some evangelists, some pastor and teachers, for the training of the saints. That's you. You're a saint. You never knew this. You're going to go home feeling better today. A saint, every Christ follower, in the what? In the work of the, say it with me, in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So shock your neighbor right next to you and say, I am a minister of Jesus Christ. Come on. I know some of you are saying, do you get paid for this? Yes, in heaven. All right, now let's move on. And you, as you see that, you understand. So the reason I explain that to you is this. You're going to say, well, Paul's talking about a pastor. No, he's talking about a absolute minister, every Christ follower. So as we go through the things that Paul talks about in his character and how he ministers, I want you to think, evaluate your own life. Have that mindset that you're not here to be served. You're here to serve others. That's exactly what Paul's going to talk about. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. You know, brothers, talking to the church, that our visit to you was not a failure. When you see the word failure, the opposite of failure is really the word success. Success. So when the world talks about success, take a look on the overhead. It's very different. It's very different than God's definition of success. Here's what the world would say. That success is found in power, pleasure, position, possessions, material wealth. If you have all of those things and wrapped up, you're a very successful person. Well, there's nothing wrong with those things, but that is not at all the definition that God gives because it isn't about here. Remember, we're learning how to live here so we can live there forever. When we die, we're not taking a bunch of stuff from here to heaven. It's perfect. You don't want any of the stuff there. So here, It's how God defines it. I'm going to give you five simple spiritual success definitions. So just write them down. Because you want to be, when you get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I want to hear God say one thing to me. Well done, good effect and servant. Come on, that's it. That's what you want. So here it is. Number one, spiritual success is finding God's will for our lives and simply doing it. It's not just discovering it. It's following that true. Now, that comes from the book of Joshua. The principle is all through the scripture. But remember, Moses had died, and Joshua had been with him for more than 40 years. And God said, Joshua, you're up next. You're the next minister. Oh, Lord, I'm not a Moses. No, you're a minister. You're going to be the next one taking care of the children of Israel. And of course, he was anxious. And God said this to him in Joshua 1.8, if you want to write it down. Study this book of instruction continually. He's talking about parts of the Old Testament. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So, again, there's that definition. Spiritual success is finding God's will for our lives and doing it. Now, 
what Paul was doing as he says, I didn't fail, I'm a success, he says this. He reminds the church. Now, remember, he's no longer there. He's there maybe, we don't, not sure exactly how long, maybe three months. He's back in Corinth, and he's writing this letter. You'll see why. It's so powerful, the illustration. So he's writing this letter, and he said, I want to remind you that I preached the gospel to you as God had instructed me. Remember, God honored Paul's obedience because when he was on his second missionary journey, he was in Turkey. And he wanted to visit the cities there. And God said no. And they came back with another no. And he sent him to Europe and to Greece. And he went to Philippi and then, of course, went to Thessalonica. So God honored that obedience. And as he started that little church, many, many people became saved. We'll talk about that in a moment. And that led to a healthy church, a vibrant church that was impacting the world. Now, Paul knew that his visit was successful. It was fruitful. When we do things for God, one of the things he asks us to be in John chapter 10 and 15, he says to us, we need to be fruitful. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. We just make sure that God's presence in our life is impacting the world. Now, look at verse 2. Here's kind of a summary to the people what it looked like when he came to the church for the very first time. Remember, they had never met Paul. They never met Silas. They didn't even know who they were. Here we are. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. Now, remember Paul and Silas had been beaten badly. Before they got to Thessalonica, they were in the town of Philippi. And Paul cast a demon out of a young girl, and the whole town was radically against Paul and Silas. So they beat them unbelievably, put them in a prison, put their feet in stocks, and they just suffered greatly for doing the right thing. Now, when they did that, they were freed supernaturally by God. And just watch this. This is Philippi. They immediately went to Thessalonica. Miles and miles away, they walked there. Now, when they walked in, this would have been days after they'd been beaten. What do you think they looked like when they walked in? Do you think everything was perfect now? Clean clothes, everything's great, no bruises, no broken things. If Paul would take up his shirt, what would you see? Stripes beaten and beaten and beaten. If they saw their Paul walk a little like this, what happened to their ankles? Swollen like crazy. Now, you're the Jews who know God, the Gentiles that are there, worshipers of idols, but came over so they could worship one true God. Neither one of those ever heard Jesus. Here comes Paul and Silas in, looking like that. They just got like run over by a truck. And what would you say? Who is this guy? See, what he's going to share with them is this. We came, we were a success in spite of what we went through. We still came. I have good news for you. Do you understand where he's going? Because the people are thinking, what's up with that? Because Paul knew that when these people who would accept Jesus, guess what some of their life would look like? What you see is the same thing. So he wants to encourage them. He wants to say to them, we're here. We didn't fail. 
In fact, when I preached the gospel, even though I look like this, you became believers. Look how it works. Here's the second part of that verse in the New Living Translations. In spite of being beaten, yet our God gave us the what? Say the word with me. Courage to declare the good news to you. How? Boldly in spite of what? Great opposition. I read somebody that said this. When there's great opposition, there's great openings by God. In other words, Paul said, it didn't change what we were going to do. No, it was not easy, but we were here. And in spite of that opposition, we shared with you the truth. So he reminds these people, you have to be courageous. You're going to have to be bold. And guess what? Preaching, teaching, sharing the gospel will cause you some kind of opposition and problem. Now, Paul knew one thing. The Jewish people who believed in God in this little synagogue didn't believe in Jesus. They never wanted to hear the word about Jesus. They're not interested in Jesus. The pagans, they knew about God, but not very much, and they never heard about Jesus at all. Now, it could have been easy for Paul just to dilute the gospel and never mention Jesus at all. He could have just said, you know, we have a wonderful God who created every one of you. He's a wonderful God needs to be worshiped. And he could just sit down after that. But notice, look what we talked about here. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare what? The good news. See, the good news is about Jesus. That is such a priceless thing. He knew that these young believers, first they had to become followers of Christ. You can't get to heaven with God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through Jesus. Well, the gospel is the good news about Jesus. He died on the cross and was resurrected. So you can't leave it at God and not mention Jesus. So Paul knew this when he does this. He's trying to say to them, you're going to have to be bold because some of you are going to accept Christ. Some of you Jews are even going to give in, and you're going to realize that he was the Messiah, but you're going to have to be bold. And he said, I'm bold even though I was bold before and got beaten. I'm going to be bold, and you need to have the same courage. So he's trying to encourage them. Now, look at 2 Timothy. Look what we see happening in our world. For the time will come... When men will not put up with sound doctrine, sound doctrine would be basically this from the beginning, the gospel. Don't talk to me about the gospel. Don't talk to me about the gospel. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them, and this is kind of disconcerting to me, a great number of false teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. The people, they don't want to hear that they're a sinner. They're not interested in that. Just tell me I'm a good person. Everything is fine. And so look at that for a moment. For the time will come. Wake up. We're in the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are in the time. People don't want to hear the truth. And you know that very easily. We've never really experienced it in the United States. You know, I've traveled many, 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 many times with my wife to China to teach in the underground church, to India. We're going back, actually, in a couple of weeks in India. But China probably close for me together. Never be able to go back there again. India's getting to the same kind of place. But we're now seeing it over here. 
We're not seeing it like closing the church down, but they're saying everything we do is terrible. Think about Pence's wife in a school that teaches the Bible. What kind of an idiot is that at the vice president? He's a worshiper of God. Thank you very much. But see, when you see all that happening, it's about one thing, Jesus. They're not interested. So we have to understand what's happening as we go through this. Now, you know that I'm living. I'm living. You're living in that day today. Satan has infected people with his lies, deception. They don't want to be challenged with God's truth. In today's postmodern church, there are many churches that once preached all the Bible. But today, they are now teaching the things that are evil. They say they're acceptable. And because of that, the Bible condemns them, and it fulfills the prophecy I just shared with you. I don't have time to... One little interesting thing I've read this week. I've been following this for a lot of years. There's a church in Canada. I can't remember exactly what it is. United Church of Christ in Canada, something like that. Anyway, lots of churches there. Kind of a state church. And there's been a lady since, I don't know, 10 years ago, six years ago. And she is the pastor, the minister of that church. She does not believe in God. She does not believe in Jesus. She does not believe in the Holy Spirit. And she doesn't believe that the Bible's worth anything at all. Now, she's the pastor. I'm serious. So the organization, the church, decided to take her to court and try to get her outside the church. But as it went on, we don't know what kind of agreement they made to. But from what we know, they were afraid to get into the lawyer stuff because it's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible. So they just said, go back to your church. So she has a church in Canada that doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, doesn't believe in love. Hello, what are you going to teach? But think of the people that are deceived. They go to church. Why would you go to church? (laughs) Why would you go to church? So here we are. A church with no God. Now, that tells us what's going to happen. But see, people say that what you can't teach against this and that and that because you don't love the people. Sorry. I teach the Bible. All our pastors teach the Bible because we love people. That's the only way to get to heaven. You know the story. I told you many times, you take your child, the two-year-old riding his little bike. What are you going to say to him? Well, be careful when you drive in the street there. No, you'd say, don't you dare go down the driveway to the street. Why? Because you're a mean dad. No, you're a loving father. Do you understand? Everything that says no in here is not because God hates us. It's because God loves us. He knows the outcome. We don't. Those people will discover the outcome. That pastor will answer to God. So will we. Now, so we teach and preach the good news. Watch me. But we always do it with love. When I say something is wrong because the Bible says it, I say it with love because that's who God is. He's love. So here's the second thing you want to write. Spiritual success is having courage and boldness to share the gospel. Remember, you're a minister. You're supposed to share the gospel. So am I. Regardless. It doesn't matter. If they accept it, don't accept it. If they make fun of you, that's okay. You just love on them. Go pray for them. You have to shut up because nothing's going to go anywhere. That's okay. That's okay. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus. 
How do I get eternal life? Jesus was loving on him, shared the principle. And what did the young man do? See ya. Well, he didn't go after him. He made the decision. He loved him. He looked after him with love. But see, that's what we do here. Now, one of the reasons we don't share, and one of the reasons you see these two words, courage and boldness, is because sometimes we're timid. Look at this verse. For God did not give us a spirit, Paul writing to young Timothy, young pastor, of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Paul was in jail when he's writing this. Do not be ashamed or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in the suffering for the gospel. How can I do that? By the power of God, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So now Paul is going to go and he's going to address some of his character traits because when you look back at that city 2,000 years ago, there were all kinds of enemies against God in that city. Now, they had never even had Jesus added to it. Now it's going to be worse. There were idol worshipers and Jews that finally, many of them came to salvation. Many women did uh, in that church. But Paul knew as they went into their community, and some of these Jews said, well, we believe Jesus is the Messiah. And the other Jews go, what is wrong with you? And the other people, how can you stop worshiping the idols here? What do you mean a living God? There's no such thing. And he knew there was going to be problems. And they would be rejected. And they would start causing doubt to come about the Apostle Paul. Remember, he'd never been to that city. Now, the reason they're going to do that, you're going to see, in that city, there were religious professionals, so-called, of all types. City of 200,000. There were cults, false creeds, astrologers, insincere religious uh, leaders who were there to peddle their false teaching to do one thing, to get money. So he's going to talk about that. No, my reasons for doing this is not about getting money. I'm not deceiving you. I'm telling you the truth. And so these people were motivated by money and greed. And when they wiped Thessalonica out, they weren't getting any more money there. They've kind of finished everything. They just moved to the next city. They were just kind of like missionaries moving. And so Paul says, that's not who we are at all. Now, this shouldn't surprise you. Jesus Before any of this happened, let me read it to you from Matthew. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Well, you remember, people are vulnerable. If they don't know the truth and you lie to them, they don't know you're lying to them. Satan's a great deceiver. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to watch out as pastors that we don't have these people that are moving through our congregations teaching false kind of stuff. And from time to time, even in a small group, we ask people either to stop promoting your stuff that's false or you're going to be asked to leave the church. And we absolutely cause them to leave the church. You say, well, that's not love. No, that is love. We're protecting the sheep. In today's teaching, you learn that every Christ follower, not just the clergy, is called a minister by God. Pastor Mark taught that you have a function in the church other than to just show up every week, and it's important for you to find it. You learn that God has given you a special ability that He planned for you to use in your service to Him and His people. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching successful ministry that pleases God. He'll speak more on what it means for you as a Christ follower to be one of God's ministers. You'll be reminded of what ministers did in the Bible and how that applies to you. You'll learn more about what spiritual success is and how you'll be able to achieve that. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Live Here Now then live there forever. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.